0: today's tuesday november 27th and this is episode 73 of the birdland bs podcast on today's show we're joined by matt stevens of the ravens wire he's going to help us break down this great ravens debate the terp season ends sour and elias and the orioles get to work stay tuned Take it to the Birdland, that Baltimore home flavor is coming first hand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. They got it, When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS.
1: Birdland Birdland BS.
0: BS. BS. (laughs) What's up, BSers? Fred and Scott in the studio today. Heck yeah, man. We got a special guest, Matt Stevens, going to be joining us here in a couple minutes from the Ravens Wire and the Locked On Ravens podcast. But before we get too far into that, I want to remind you guys that this show and this episode is brought to you by John Sheffernocker of Cummings & Co. Realtors. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Do you want someone you can trust to go to bat for you? Go see our guy, John Sheffernocker, over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always willing to take your call and be available for you anytime, day or night. For you Birdland fans out there, you may know him as the guy with the sunglasses sitting behind a dugout at Camden Yards. So give John a call today,
1: 443 604 Yeah, Fred, you know, you and I talk about it every week. Every week. Every week. I got a card in the mail today from John. Nice. Pies and cards. Uh, Pies and cards. You know, (laughs) holiday season. Uh, You know, he basically it's it was three years ago uh, that he got us into this house uh, three years ago this month, actually. Um, And he got us into this house and he reached out and we got a little, you know, he said, home improve next small home improvements on me and sent us a little twenty five dollar gift card from Lowe's. Nice. Uh, So, you know, he's always reaching out. He got us into that house that we wanted while he's on vacation, by the way, (laughs) you know, and is is always keeping his clients. Up to date on news. He sends out new newsletters to his clients, everything along those lines. And then his client events, that's where he takes care of his clients as well. So those are all the time throughout the season. He's got a ton of them. Obviously, just that had the Thanksgiving. We got the pie. We talked about it last right, week. It right. was delicious. I got to bring you a piece. I still nice. have a small piece left. I've been waiting. If my wife lets me bring it <laughs> out of the house, she might kill me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, you got to always reach out to, to John at any time. Uh, you can reach out to him. At 443-604-6298. You can also email him at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. And don't forget to mention that Birdland BS was the one that sent you. That's right. That's
0: us. Birdland BS. But this week, we're joined by a special guest. Matt Stevens of the Raven's Wire. This guy... Knows his stuff when it comes to the Ravens. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Matthew S underscore NFL. Matt, you with us?
2: I am with you. How are you guys doing?
0: Good man.
1: Appreciate you being on. Uh excited to
0: have you on and Looking forward to your insight, as always.
1: This is going to be an interesting debate. You two are going at it on Twitter today.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It, the, uh, the Baltimore chat room is for uh, censored eyes only, and uh,
1: we had a lot of fun in there, for sure. Absolutely. Matt, Matt, we've determined apparently I'm the moderator for this, so just nobody getting out of line. <laughs> ding, ding, ding! <laughs> yeah. Well, you know
2: what? Look, man, I, I, it's not going to be much of a debate because I'm always right. So I'll just prove it today.
0: <laughs> He's one of those guys. I like it. Here we go. Uh well, let's let's not waste any time, man. Let's kind of get into this whole thing. So the Ravens win their second in a row at home against the Raiders. Uh, and the score can be a little deceiving, I think, in this game to say the least. Thirty-four to seventeen. Uh, a lot of the uh, the scoring in this game came late, um, Matt. So we're going to dive right into this thing. Scott and I have kind of talked about this for the past couple of weeks. We really talked about it all year. Is this year the right year for Lamar? Is this, you know, when is the right time to kind of plug him in? Before we get too in-depth with this thing, just give me a a little take of what your opinion on Lamar has been in just these first two starts that you've seen.
2: Well, you know, I, I think Lamar has been a solid quarterback. And I think when you look at the box score, when you look at his stat sheet, you go, all right, well, you know, three interceptions, a touchdown uh, uh, through the air. Uh, he's not ready as a passer. But we've seen him be successful as a passer. We've seen him, uh, you know, the, the one play I'm going to keep, keep going back to was he underthrew Michael Crabtree week 11 right. when throwing in front of Crabtree is going to get Crabtree knocked out of that game. And he threw it the only spot where only his guy could go ahead and catch it that's smart football, yeah. and in order yep. to do that, in order to go through your reads and hit that guy, that means you've learned something. And, and you know, when you look back to Week One, when you look back to to you know mini camps, that's a dramatic change. That's that's an improvement, and that's what you want to see out of your rookie. Absolutely. That being said, is is he ready? Uh, you know, that, that's up for debate still, but. You know, I've been impressed with the the development. I've been impressed with, you know, when you see him screw up in a game, and it does happen. He'll go, ah, that was on me. I should have done this instead. That I love that. I love seeing that out of a player when a man could admit his own mistakes and go, all right, next time I'm going to do this different.
0: Absolutely, and that's a, that's been a problem and something we haven't seen here in Baltimore in a very long time, especially from the quarterback position. Is somebody who takes a little pride in what he does and somebody who takes ownership. You know, for, for the highs and the lows. Uh, and in this game in particular against the Raiders, you know, from a from a pure passing standpoint, you're right. Nothing really wowed you. I mean, yes, there were a couple big plays in this game. Obviously, the big pass to Mark Andrews uh, hitting him. I mean, yes, he was wide open. Don't get me wrong. Wasn't like he was putting that into a tight window. But his ability to be able to make that throw and hit Andrews in stride for the big play uh, was encouraging. Uh, I think the big takeaway from this game obviously was the running game. Scott.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely I agree with you. For me, we're seeing the, it's it's the Edwards Lamar show at this right. point because, you know, and I know Matt's got some takes on, on Lamar. I, I I don't know about your uh, takes on Gus, but for me, 23 carries, 118 yards. Yeah. He's not putting up, you know, 200-yard games. But it's more than what we've seen out of Alex Collins, and I think Gus Edwards has more than earned his right to be on the field and get more snaps. Uh, the, the combination with him and, and the occasional third down use of Buck Allen has been crucial for them because you went from having an East West runner in Collins who's always trying to bounce out to the hole, a guy who
0: tries to be an East West. Yeah,
1: yeah. Let's 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 be honest with that. But <laughs> but then you have Gus S- Edwards who is he is a strong runner. He's a strong North to South runner. The legs are always turning and he's, he's starting to find those holes and open up some, some of those holes to be able to get the bigger gains. I think he's averaging, uh, I want to say like seven yards per carry. Uh, Matt might even know any better, more better. Cause I know he knows the stats <laughs> like the back of his hand. Uh, but you know, for me, I think Gus Edwards has really shown, especially with the running game. And then you get Montgomery involved this week, eight, eight carries for 51 yards in some crucial plays they that, that move the chains and, and get them downfield. Uh, so, I mean, that's what I saw out of this. I mean, I'd be curious. Matt, what did you see when, when you were looking at the running game this week?
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, it, w- what exactly what you guys just said there is, is 100% accurate. I mean, Edwards is a north-south runner. He's a guy that hits the hole. That, that is, for, for being a relatively bigger guy, uh, I mean, he's six one, 238 pounds. That's a big guy for a running back. He hits the hole hard and fast. Uh, which is, is exactly what you want out of a big guy. Right. You want yeah. that quick burst acceleration the second you get the handoff, especially when you're talking about an offensive line that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that stuff a little bit more, but an offensive line that is doing more power, oh, football, but is still either a lot of injuries on that offensive line or a lot of rookies. I don't want to dance around behind those guys. I want to get to the second level before they have a chance to screw it up, realistically. Uh, you know, that's what you're seeing out of him, and that's not what you're seeing out of, out of Alex Collins. And I don't know if, I mean, Collins over, he talked about, uh, you know, putting on a little extra weight over yeah. the offseason to try to be that three down back. I'll be honest. From from week one, I I pointed out something ain't right. See, he, either he lost a step or two. He's not able to hit the edge like he was last year. He's being far less decisive with the football running yeah. up the middle. I, I just I wonder if he's just you know if he's he's kind of screwed himself this uh, off season. But I mean, let's also keep in mind, and we're all I think responsible. For this everyone kind of voted for Alex Collins. Oh, he's the next good running back. I know uh Chibs was was you yeah. know all all in on that man <laughs> to uh, say the uh, least offseason long but uh, you know the guy was a a UDA or a a practice squad player right Gus Edwards practice squad player it's it's not like he's overthrown Jamal Lewis in his prime you have two undrafted guys that are doing their thing you know, who knows if Gus Edwards is the long-term answer either but uh you know he he's doing the right thing now which is exactly what you want to say
0: Right. And and for me, the, the running game in this game, really the past two weeks with Lamar at quarterback obviously has changed. There's been a lot of things that have kind of related to the to the change. I mean, whether it's it's the offensive line blocking schemes, regardless of what it is, we've seen a change for the better in the running game with Gus Edwards and Lamar back there in the backfield. Um, you know, 23 carries, 118 yards. Jackson. Carried the ball in a more realistic clip this week with eleven carries for seventy one yards that twenty five carries a game is going to get him killed definitely not the answer um, and then, like you said, we did get Montgomery involved in the in the the running game this week uh you know his ability to kind of spread out and 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 be a wide receiver, work in the slot, work outside, and his ability to run the ball just adds more flexibility and gives more options for this ravens team absolutely. I think the big question here, though, is does this or, or can this running game sustain this kind of success if we go back to Flacco at quarterback?
1: I, I think it, it just, it's going to depend. I know uh, this is where it's this is where you're going to trigger the debate here. <laughs> so I'm just going to let you guys get into this, but I'm going to get my take in here first so that you guys can go off on this. Yeah. Uh, my take on this is until – you run that same, the same scheme, and some people are going to say you can't run the same scheme with the offensive line that you've been running with Lamar. It's clear they came off that, that bye week with some of the changes, with some of those things. My thing is, I would be curious to see what that scheme does for Joe, because one of the things that we've said is in some instances... Joe hasn't had the time in the pocket. He's been trying to scramble, and he's not a scramble quarterback. I don't think anybody's going to deny that. Right. Joe is not the type of guy to get out and scramble. And when he does, it looks ugly. And you know, he either gets walloped by uh, what was his face in uh, in Miami last year, oh,
0: um, uh, Kiko Alonso, Kiko
1: Alonso, or or he's sliding, and you know screwing up his knee brace, pick one. (laughs) Uh, But for me, I'd be curious to see what the scheme looks like with Joe under center using the same scheme. Does it provide him more protection and does it allow Gus Edwards to, uh, you know, hit the hole and get bigger, bigger gains. That's yet to be seen. We don't know. But what I do know is that from a Lamar standpoint, when Lamar's in there and you're running that scheme, it's been pretty successful. It's not this, you know, off the charts, complete change of, of game. Type mentality to me right. I look at it and I see okay we, we've we moved up in the gains but how many how many 60 yard runs has Gus Edwards gotten off you know how many 20 yard runs 30 yard runs his his longest this week was what I think 19 right so for me I see it I see the progression I like what I'm seeing I like the move can they sustain it I'm not sure that they can after there's continual tape on them right but at the same time I'm also curious would that scheme help Joe or would it hurt Joe? If it hurts Joe, okay, there's our answer right there. But I, I just don't know that that offensive line scheme... I haven't seen it with Joe in the pocket. It's going to be most most defenses like you've you've talked about are going to play a little bit more contained on the edge. Right. You don't have to do that with Joe, so you can push you can push more towards the center and block those holes. But then does Gus Edwards start running to the outside and breaking off some big runs? I don't know. That's right. my that's my take. So
0: before you get into everything, Matt, I'm going to just give you my Cliff Notes versions, just so you know where I kind of stand on everything, and right. then you kind of pick it apart as you as you please. So with Joe at quarterback. As you just mentioned, Scott, um first of all, I'm going to throw this out there because this is this is like not worth a debate. Joe is the better passer than Lamar. I think we all can agree to that right now in his career, Joe is the better passer than Lamar. That's not up for debate. Just talking about what he brings to the game from a pure running standpoint and from how defenses have to prepare for Lamar and this offense now, right? So yeah. When you have Lamar at quarterback, as you said, you have to play contain. I played football growing up, so and I played against a lot of mobile quarterbacks in my day. So as a defensive end, when you played against a mobile quarterback, you had to contain the edge, which caused hesitation. You had to play heads-up football, and what I mean by that is you constantly got to keep your head up, and you got to keep it on a swivel because you have to always account for where the quarterback is. So it slows you down, even for We'll say a split second, second and a half. But when you have a north and south runner in somebody like Gus Edwards, right, who's not going east to west, he's not going around the edge, but you have to watch for that because Lamar can, that opens up holes in the middle of the defense that wouldn't be there if Joe was at quarterback because these defensive ends and the linebackers that normally would play spy are not doing this or don't have to worry about that with Joe. So they can read and react. They can hit the offensive line, the tackles quicker, close the holes, play closer in, as you mentioned, kind of instead of having separation at the end and playing offside or playing outside more, they can play in inside more shift in and those holes aren't there. And it slows things down much more when you have a pocket passing quarterback like that. So, Having to account for Lamar and him being able to get out east and west opens holes, in my opinion, more for Gus. I'm not saying that Gus wouldn't be a productive running back with Joe at the helm. I just think Gus Edwards is doing what he's doing right now, over 100 yards a game, because the defense has to, has to prepare more for Lamar. Right. What's okay. your take on that, Matt?
2: Uh, So my take on this has always been, you know, Lamar Jackson, a mobile quarterback, that does make a defense have to change what they're going to do. How much is dependent on the defense. But realistically, you know, most defenses are going to probably run a little bit more zone against uh, Jackson because, well, you know, you you don't really trust him as a quarterback or as as a passer Mm -hmm. and having zone coverage. Uh, allows you to kind of read and react to a play and then go ahead and swarm to the ball carrier. That's that's kind of what you're typically seeing or what you're going to see right. uh, probably for the rest of the year if, if Lamar stays in there. So, uh, you know, how much he adds to that? I mean, he does add something. It's just a question of how much. Now... You know, what I've always contended from the bye week on is we've seen the offensive scheme dramatically change in terms of how they block up front. Gone are these weird pulling plays where you're seeing, you know, Marshall Yonda go ahead and try to to pull and become a a left tackle on a play despite them running to the right, which is a play that I'll actually point out here in a minute uh, against the Tennessee Titans gone are those things instead they're asking their big guys they're asking their maulers let's be honest kind of slow guys or, or, or rookies or inexperienced guys they're asking to take the the guy in front of them put a hat on a hat and push him all the way out to a concession stand let's see if we can't take that defensive end on a tour of the the, the new escalators Every single
1: time. <laughs> i love
2: and, it and you know what? that that's high school football, man. I mean, that, that's what works. Uh, for anybody who has played, right. that's probably the scheme that you played. And and if you had good offensive linemen, if, if you had maulers up front and you had a hard-hitting running back, that was your game plan. That's what you ran. That's what worked. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's what I think we're seeing more than anything else. And, you know, the, the this idea that without Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards would, wouldn't be a 100-yard rusher. I think is a little foolish. Uh, And that's something that I've seen from a lot of fans over these last two weeks has been ramping up what Lamar kind of offers. And and to to point this out, here's the difference. Edwards in 15 carries before Lamar Jackson starts, 64 yards, Mm -hmm. 4.27 yard per carry.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Meanwhile, Alex Collins, 3.6 yard per carry. About the same, everything considered. Right. the difference now five point eight yards per carry uh, for for Gus Edwards. Mm-hmm. However, uh, you're, you're still seeing Alex Collins put up a, a two point five seven yard per attempt uh, against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, if, if 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 Lamar Jackson was really the end all be all, seven rushes from from Alex Collins don't net you under three yards. It just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, that's, that's the difference is having a harder runner that fits the scheme, having the scheme fit the personnel. That's what's worked out. And, and I actually went through a number of plays and we can go over that now, but, yeah, um, you know, so against the Titans, right. The very first run of the game by the Baltimore Ravens, Mm -hmm. Alex Collins hits the right edge, you know, weak side. Uh, Baltimore has seven guys on the, uh, offensive line, negative one yard. And you go, ah, well, that's weird. It's a single back formation. Well, here's why Yonda pulls to block inside. Uh, it, it blocked toward the strong side. Don't know why that makes no sense when you're running it to the weak side. Right. Why would you have your best offensive lineman go completely away from the play? So the right tackle crashes down. But meanwhile, you leave a defensive end wide open. He's completely unblocked, and it's Alex Collins versus that defensive end. And as we've kind of already pointed out earlier in, in, in these segments, Alex Collins not running all that great. Right. So ultimately what you're doing is you have eight in the box. You now have zero blockers, and you have at least one guy, if not a cornerback, if he can go ahead and get off that play. Uh, you now have two guys on, on Alex Collins. Well, that's that's gonna be a loss. I mean, that's just that's bad play design.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I agree with and, that.
2: And and you look at that game, that's that game. I mean, just nonstop. Brian Baldinger uh, actually did a, a great breakdown where he went, I don't know what the hell Marty Morningwig's doing, but he has <laughs> his he has his tackles going ahead and, and uh, uh, pulling and going outside and then leaving both tight ends on defensive ends, one on one. I don't know why. That's dumb. You're going to lose. And it precisely ended. it. Was, it was a loss. Right. Difference now is if we look at this last game uh, against the Oakland Raiders. Now, mm-hmm. of course, obviously you're talking about two bad defenses in, in Cincinnati and Oakland, two mm-hmm. of the worst defenses in the league. So, yeah, a certain amount of this is probably uh, up to that as well. But first play of the game for Baltimore, Edwards, six yards, uh, runs between the right guard, and right tackle, in a oh, reverse wishbone. So what ends up happening is you have Boyle chips the defensive end, goes ahead and kind of protects the outside. Snead fakes in as a runner on motion, goes through the hole, draws initial uh, uh, attention from the outside linebacker, and in addition to that, you have power offensive bl- power O blocking. It gets six yards simply because Edwards hits the hole. Now, on that play, no one really looked at Jackson. No one stopped Uh, A defensive end wasn't able to go ahead and make the play if he looked at Jackson or if he didn't look at Jackson. Jackson on that play, zero impact. Uh, The outside linebacker never once cares about what Jackson's doing. Uh, The inside linebacker reads the play. So you've got that one. Then second and five later on in the first quarter, Edwards, outside run uh, from shotgun, and and this is a play that you're going to see again and again and again in this game outside run eight yards and what ends up happening is jackson freezes who is playing uh the pass uh, uh coverage on the right hand side so you've got that like i was kind of mentioning before you've, you've got that zone coverage so that linebacker freezes for a half second because he's expecting pass you're in a shotgun So that's kind of partially it, more so than necessarily Jackson, per se. Uh, But anyway, he wasn't going to be in on the play. He was on the other side of the field regardless. So, you know, maybe he couldn't go ahead and make another play later on down the line. But what ends up happening is the inside linebacker scrapes down to go ahead and play the run, reads the play beautifully, just like he's supposed to. But ultimately, there's two holes. He guessed that Edwards was going to take the first one. He didn't. He went to the outside, that half second, that little stutter where he goes inside to try to make a play, is all Edwards needs to go ahead and hit the outside, and that's eight yards. Later on in that game, uh, his biggest run, the 19-yard run, first and 10, uh, a little over two minutes left in, in, in the first half, again, out of shotgun. They go ahead and run it right up the middle, so the defense the entire time is reading pass. They actually all start backing up initially because, again, that half second before you hand it off to a running back, you guys starting to read pass. Right. But what ends up happening here, the reason why you win that, even with that, is that half second of, of hesitation. Again, not because of Jackson, because you're expecting the pass, but Baltimore has six blockers. There's six guys in the box. So you can go ahead and, and, and hat on a hat, as long as your guys go ahead and win, you're going to be all right. Now, the problem is, is uh, uh, you know, the, the – defensive line split they're two and two uh but they're a wide open a wide open hole right at center well guess what they're running right behind matt Scarra, who's able to hit the second level go ahead and yeah. block a linebacker uh and, and and yeah you have edwards ends up bouncing off uh a uh, defensive tackle who alex lewis didn't block very well uh blocked him at the line of scrimmage um but Edwards, again, able to bounce off that tackle at the line of scrimmage and able to go ahead and for another 19 yards. So that's the difference between the two things is Alex Collins getting taken down right there at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a zero play. And in addition to that, you're going ahead and playing it better. You have six blockers against six. So you're setting yourself up for for more success, and Jackson has nothing to do with that, uh, at least with those few plays. Again, I, I do think he, he does add something, but... Uh, the, the the difference, according to the stats, is roughly about a yard difference between what we've seen out of uh, uh, Gus Edwards before and Gus Edwards now. And Lamar Jackson's uh, average went from 4.96 to 5.14. So even he's not really doing any better himself. It's just, it's the scheme, man. It's the scheme. They're finally running it the way they should have ran it week one.
0: So so sum it up. In short, you think it's more scheme than it is yes. Lamar and you think it's more Edwards than it is Collins, you know, you know, obviously being the better back uh, at this point right now. So here's my thing. <clears throat> You're right. Uh, these two games, these two last two games that we played, uh, we played against two porous defenses. Um, and honestly, if you take a look at the remaining portion of the schedule for the Ravens, uh, there's no defenses there that that scare me. I mean, they're all in the bottom half of the league as far as in total defense. And they're all awful. Awful against the run so if we're talking about just going into this game and for the rest of the year here and i'm gonna this is just my opinion this is just kind of the way i look at it so (laughs) ding ding round two I, like I said, no debate. Flacco is the better passer, right? But we all know what we get in Flacco, especially from the passing game. It's just wildly inconsistent. Uh, you know, there's games where he'll throw over 300 yards, and then there's games where he throws under 200 yards. He makes bonehead plays. I mean, he just... You, you know what you're getting in Flacco. We've had 11 years of it. There's, you know, that's just simple. With Lamar, he's still developing. He's He's shown some promise in the passing game, more so than honestly I expected to see. Um, I think he's shown good poise. Uh, I don't think the game is too big for him. He's made some some mental blunders. A couple of the interceptions that he's thrown obviously were, were mistakes and things that he shouldn't have done. But I think that the element that he brings that Flacco cannot bring is obviously his ability to make plays with his feet. You're going against defenses that struggle against the run. And the the other aspect that he brings is a lot of these a lot of these same teams have explosive offenses that are capable of putting up a lot of points against us. Right? So the way I look at that is the only way you can counteract a team that can put up a lot of points is either A, if you go into a shootout battle with them, which I don't care if you got Flacco or if you got Lamar under center. We're not going to win a shootout battle with some of these quarterbacks. We're not going to win it against Mahomes. We're not going to win it against Rivers. I just don't see that being the the formula is going in a shootout battle with them. The answer is not Flacco throwing 40 to 50 times in a game. It never has been. So I think with Lamar, being able to run the ball, keep the clock moving, having time of possession in your favor being able to extend drives with third down conversions using his feet and the, the, the difference that we've seen in the running game, whether that be because of Lamar or because of Edwards or because of the blocking, whatever that may be, the two going together, Lamar being able to make plays and, again, extending past third downs, I just think from here on out, Lamar would be the better option if you're trying to really win these games.
2: Well, I'll I'll disagree with you on this one, and and I'll kind of use the same argument you used, but to flip it to, to Flacco. Okay. So, when you're talking about uh, you know obviously Ravens become a, a heavy run team with Lamar Jackson, and you, you, they clearly don't trust him to throw the football. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Right. They gave it to him 18 times in the first half, seemingly out of this weird like, well people don't think he can throw, so we're right. make him throw it. And Joe's had that all year long too. Where is he elite? Let's see if he can throw it fifty-five times. Um, you know we'll 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 save my opinions for Marty Morningwig for another episode. But
1: um, (laughs) That's a whole episode, right, Matt? Oh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. I've I've made cases for why I should be the offensive coordinator for a few weeks now. Uh, but but you know if you're a defense what am I going to start doing? Which is just what we saw against uh, uh, Joe Flacco. Well, they're going to start putting people all up against the line of scrimmage. Soon you're going to see 11 in the box because, well, Jackson isn't going to throw it very often. And if he does, uh, you know what? Let him beat us with his arm. Please beat us with his arm. I don't think well, that's fair.
0: Happen. I don't think that's fair. to. St- I mean, that's basically saying that he can't throw. I mean, he's proven that he can throw. He's Yes, he's made some mistakes, but he can throw the ball.
2: Oh, he, he certainly can throw the football. But again, I mean, at, at a certain point, you're going to see the flip of what happened to Flacco, which was they just backed off the line of scrimmage for Flacco because, well, you're not going to run it. You're going to run it six times a game. Uh, and, and that's another point in terms of this run games being successful is Gus Edwards ran the ball 23 times Sunday. Mm-hmm. The last time they had a running back run thir- 23 times or more was Alex Collins way back in week six of 2016. Okay. That's not a problem. So, you know, again, when, when you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, running the football that often, well, defenses are going to start catering to it a little bit more. Are they going to find as much success as they did necessarily against uh, uh, betting the, the barn against, you know, Flacco in, in the passing game? Eh, probably not. The run game's a little bit better than, than what we have for the pass game, period. But uh, the, the difference will be all of a sudden. Can Baltimore keep up with those teams uh, offensively? And, and as we've kind of mentioned, you know, or, or at least we've we've beaten around the bush, this defense, not a great defense. I don't care if they're ranked number one. Yeah. I don't trust them in a game. They gave up 17 points to the Oakland Raiders and Jordy Nelson, who... Uh, you know, the fact that Baltimore won but you know all you need to know
1: about Jordy Nelson. But to your
0: point there, but to your point there, right? So the defense isn't playing great and they haven't been playing great. And the only way that you make them better than what they are is by keeping them off the field and keeping them fresh, right? And the only way you do that is by running clock, having time of possession in your favor and extending drives and keeping, you know, instead of going three and out, having having sustainable drives. And I feel like that with Lamar in this running game, we're seeing that more. And that's why the defense has played a little bit better.
2: But, but again, I think the, the, the key thing here is, well, Jackson, I mean, if you take out his runs completely, you're still talking about Gus Edwards, 23 carries, 118 yards. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to say that Jackson does make Edwards a better ball carrier, you're still looking at just about 100 yards on the ground from one player. We haven't had that in quite a while. Right. Uh, you, you go ahead and do that with Flacco. Well, all of a sudden, a defense now has to go, oh, well, he will throw at 70 yards without any hesitation. Uh, if anything, actually, if he sees one-on-one on the outside, that's pretty much where you can guess that ball's going. So, well, now if I'm a safety, now if I'm a strong safety especially, oh, I can't go ahead and sit on that line of scrimmage. If I'm a linebacker, oh, you know, we're playing zone coverage. I can't go ahead. My, my first read isn't toward the running back any longer. If anything, I'll say that if Joe Flacco's in, a defense now has to cater toward the pass a little bit more than they would with uh, uh, Joe Flacco versus uh, Lamar Jackson. All of a sudden, that might open up even more holes for Gus Edwards. All of a sudden, you don't have as many people in, at the, the line of scrimmage or, or in the box. You know, If you can get six on five... Oh man with the way Gus Edwards is running he's gonna break a lot more of those nineteen yard per clip plays than we have seen him do before versus Lamar Jackson which again if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm eight in the box all game long
1: yeah no, I so i I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw it at Fred right now yeah because you mentioned time of possession And it was something that we saw last night in the the Monday night football game that we were talking about pretty Mm -hmm. consistently. Tennessee was carrying up until the last quarter. Tennessee was actually carrying the possession load. So, not even looking at that game, but there's a game that I looked at this week where time of possession only different by a minute but the tail of the game really comes in that balance you know we're talking about one one way or another and really it, it does come down to that balance. I think that's what Matt is kind of getting at is is that that dual threat situation while yes Lamar does throw a wrench into it as far as saying, okay, it's another guy that can run it's a guy that that, that was you know back in the backfield and can run. We saw the same thing in Tennessee. Last night, when they were putting Henry and Lewis back there, along with Mariota, three guys that can run, it wasn't successful for them. But the the game that I'm going to point out is the Saints-Falcons game. 31-17, everybody knows Saints won this game. The tale of possession was 30 minutes and 59 seconds for the Falcons, 29 minutes for the Saints, and 29 minutes and one second for the Saints. But the tail actually comes in the balanced attack of the Saints. The Saints were 15 for 22 in passing for 162 yards, along with the rushing attempts, 31 rushing attempts for 150 yards. Versus when you look at the Falcons, they had 16 rushing attempts for 26 yards, and they had Matt Ryan throw the ball 35 for 47 for 340 yards. Look where it got him. Right. If you can't finish, that's what matters, and that's one of the things that has has been we started the season strong with the Ravens where they were finishing they had one of the best records when you got into the red zone they had the, I think it was actually up until the Saints game uh, that we that we faced the Saints where they had the record for most games with now without missing a red zone right. uh, a con- red zone conversion so with that being said, since that Saints game, we've seen them struggle a little bit more when they get into the red zone they're 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 not able to to finish plays off completely unless you get a big play or we get down to about the 50 45 and then we're asking Tucker to hit a 50 60 yarder you know and that's that's what it comes down to for me is it's that balance attack between the two i, I think Lamar yes he does play a wrench into it but Lamar running for an extra 8, eight yard gain isn't as a bigger factor as Joe throwing that sixty-yard pass down the sideline to John Brown, like we saw early in the season. So I think that's a, it. Is a fine line that you have to walk, but I think, I think you have to see what happens with Joe Flacco in this new scheme with Gus Edwards there and the threat of him being able to throw at sixty. Yes, we saw uh, Lamar hit Ed, or hit Andrews for a deep pass this past week. But that was one time. We've seen Joe do it multiple times before. That's my take on it, is I think it's got to be a balanced attack, and that's the only way you're going to get it right now is with Joe.
0: There's a big if there, and the big if is do they continue to run this kind of scheme with Joe Flacco at quarterback? And that's putting that if on Marty Morningwig. (laughs) I mean, this guy is a freaking tool bag. Uh, do you really think well, that that's what's going to happen is that we're going to run this same type of scheme with Joe Flacco, a quarterback, with Marty calling the shots? Matt, help well, then, me here.
2: Then, 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 <laughs> that, then that's 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 a different argument, though. I mean, if, if the argument is who's the better quarterback, who gives you the best chance to win? Well, I mean, it's, it's Joe Flacco. I mean, I think we, we just kind of proved that here uh, throughout all of this. Now the discussion because becomes, well, does, does Harbaugh have a pair of balls to then go, Marty? If you're not splitting it 50-50 or at least close to 50-50 run pass, you're fired. I will fire you at halftime and just start calling plays myself. <laughs> I love That's it. We'll madden this thing. Uh, I know. It's if, just it's if,
0: it's just there's so many ifs with that. We talk about what Flacco could do with this kind of run game with Edwards, of course, I mean, that that's always been really since ever since Ray Rice hasn't been here. That's been the one missing piece with this offense is having a productive running game around Joe Flacco. And last time Ray Rice was here, we won a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what oh, yeah. that's what this team needs is a productive running back. But it's 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 almost as if the mentality totally changes with Joe at quarterback that, you know, he can put up over 300 yards and he's capable of beating you with this God gift of an arm that can throw 70 yards down the field (laughs) from his knees, but he hasn't done it in 11 years. He hasn't done it in 11 years. I mean, yes, it's he, he had one good run in the playoffs that got us a Super Bowl, And thank you for that. Thank you for that. But these past six years, it's just been too many peaks and valleys and there's just too many question marks around whether Marty will actually do that with Joe.
1: Yeah, no, and I think that's that's a good that's a, a good valid point. I don't think Matt disagrees with that at all. Uh but for me, I guess the one thing I when it comes to Marty, I I questioned something this week and I I had to I was asking for it in the chat and no nobody uh quite had it yet and then I was able to find it. Um uh, but my question for you, Matt. We saw this week Willie Snead, who, in my opinion, has been a very crucial wide receiver in, in critical third downs. We saw it last week when he had the third down conversion where he was able to turn upfield and get some, extra, get some extra yards and get the first down. But this week, we watched him have 49 snaps with zero targets. And that's in a first half where Lamar was throwing the ball quite often. How much of that, in your opinion, I know you're you're a lot closer to the team than, than Fred and I are. How much of that do you think was Morningwig trying to put Snead in his place? How much do you think of it may have been Lamar and and Snead not being on the same page? I mean, what what are you seeing? What are you hearing? I don't know if that's been a, an issue that anybody's even brought up.
2: No, I mean, I I don't think it's anything like that. Uh, I mean, I think that's the exciting headline, of course, right. would be to, to, <laughs> to say that Marty Morningwig is that vindictive, which, you know, maybe he is. Only he he's but,
0: smart enough to be that uh, vindictive. You know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, at this point, I mean, that, that would say that he's able to go ahead and create an <laughs> offense that can do something specific, and uh, that hasn't been the case. Right. Um, but, no, I mean, it, to, to, to be serious about it, I mean, this isn't anything new for, for Willie Sneed. He disappears. Michael Crabtree disappears. Uh, it's, I mean, we've seen both of them do it this season, for that matter. John Brown's disappeared. This offense just... It, it, Everyone wants to make John Brown and, and Willie Snead and Michael Crabtree out to be this, like, amazing wide receiver, wide receiver group. And, and uh, well, let's be honest, they're the worst wide receiver group in the AFC North, much less in the league. I, and, I, and I love John Brown. I think the guy is, is a fantastic wide receiver. I think he can do a lot. But this team is so predicated. These three wide receivers are so predicated on one of them has to be successful. If one of them isn't successful, the rest of them tank. Everyone tanks. It's it's when John Brown, you have to go ahead and put two guys on John Brown, that, that Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed suddenly become open a little bit more. They've got a little bit more room. Uh, and, and then you've also had a Joe Flacco that's uh, he's willing to go ahead and see if he can't squeeze it through a, a, a keyhole at times. So, uh, you know, you, you've got that versus an offense now where, let's be honest, they're they're not asking Lamar Jackson to play football really i mean they're they're not asking him to go out there and throw the football they're saying look don't screw it up Dilfer it for me just you can run in addition. <laughs> just, just don't cough the ball up we'll trust our defense enough to go ahead and get the job done and this run game's working itself uh you know let's let's keep riding that don't throw two interceptions um so yeah when it comes to willie steed you know it, it's it's not surprising to see him have a dud of a game it's it's his. First real one of this season, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's something that you know, asking New Orleans Saints fans and and those analysts, uh, that's what he was doing last year. He didn't show up at all last year.
1: Well, I guess here's, it's kind of a follow up to that. How much do you think of it could be a, a connection with Lamar's connection with these this this rookie? Uh, we'll call it a the rookie Ravens kind of stepping up here in in Andrews Hurst. Edwards and Lamar you know these guys seem to be all on the same page together a little bit more often and it's it's only through two games so I I I said it today I'll continue to say it it is still a small sample size but do you think that Lamar the relationship between Lamar and Hayden Lamar and Andrews Lamar and Edwards is stronger than it is with guys like Snead and Crabtree
2: I don't know if it's necessarily stronger per se. I mean, I I think that makes sense that, obviously, the the young guys you came into the draft with, you you know, again, anyone who's played football, your guys are your guys. You're going to favor them over someone else if if everything's equal. But, uh, no, I mean, again, I think it just goes back down to the offense that they're asking Lamar to play, which is quick reads, uh, quick throws, don't go ahead and get caught back there dancing where you're going to lose 19 yards on a sack. Just just get rid of the football if it's not there. If it is there, then, then throw it. But it's going to be primarily to your tight ends. And I mean, that's, that's Ravens football for the last 11 years. Is the tight ends are your main <laughs> guys. Uh, so they're, they're doing what they did with Joe Flacco early in his career, which is here's Dennis Pitta. Throw to him every single play if you have to. I don't care. All right. Well, let's
0: shift gears a little bit here because we could I, I literally we could go on with this debate for an hour, two hours. I, 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 could, I could very easily. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the defense here. So um, obviously, the defense struggled in this game early on, uh, kind of buckled down late and made some plays. You know, one of the big things that's been missing for quite a while now, quite a few weeks now has obviously been the pass rush. Um, and you know, we, Scott and I had talked about it on last week's episode that that was something that needed to get ramped up. It was something that needed to get, uh, there needed to be four to five sacks in this game was what uh, the number I was looking for. I needed to see some pressure. You had to get to Derek Carr and you almost didn't see that until very late in the game when Matt Judon kind of blew up out of nowhere. He had the three sacks, uh, late in the game here. What's your take on the pass rush and where where's the issues? Do you think it's it's age with Suggs? Do you think it's the young guys just not stepping up, you know, and living up to expectations? What's going on with the pass rush?
2: Uh, you know, it's it's a mix of a bunch of different things. I mean, Judon obviously has not shown up for a majority of this season, if we're being honest. Yeah. And and you know, again, if you look at last season, that was kind of what last season was. I mean, he had three or four big games in which he had multiple sacks, but I mean, the dude disappeared for a good portion of the season. It's just easy to look at the final stat sheet and go, "Oh, well, he had eight sacks." You know, free, that was that was a good yeah, you know, good showing. year, right? Um, yeah, and and you look at this game. Well, now he has six sacks, right? But again, w- would you ever say that Judon has done well? No, uh, no. Nah, you of course you yeah. wouldn't. Um, so when, when that's happened, obviously teams are able to go ahead and focus a little bit more on Terrell Suggs and, and to Suggs, uh, you know, discredit, he's older, he's slower, he's not looking quite like his old self either. Uh, you know, it, it comes with a certain amount of age, of course. I mean, right. what, what is he, like 74? So <laughs> Just it's, about. You know, <laughs> it, you know, Suggs is up there in age, man. It's it's not surprising that he's, that he's struggling a little bit. Um but but offenses are able to cater to that a little bit more, and and you know this is a, a defensive line that has never done well getting after the quarterback. Uh, and, and really, if you kind of pay attention to them, at a lot of the times you'll see them, especially on passing plays, they'll go forward one step, see that it's a passing play, and then drop back two three yards. They want to get hands up and get get up there versus trying to go after the quarterback sometimes. So it's it's a lot of manufactured blitzes and. There's only so much you can do at times uh, when when some guys aren't playing well. So, you know, it, it's a mix of everything going wrong for this defense uh, and sometimes going really, really right.
0: Yeah, so for I, I totally agree with you on the Suggs thing. Actually, Scott and I talked about that last week as well. I kind of said that I think at this point in Suggs' career, if he's going to continue to hang on to this thing, he needs to be a situational pass rusher. Like, we've seen it over the course of the past two or three years where He comes out the gate strong and then he hits a wall where I don't know if he just his body can't keep up anymore. He's just like you said, the age is catching up to him. He's slowing down. He's getting older Uh, this year. He hit that wall much sooner than he has over the past couple of years. Uh, So at this point, I I wanted to see this year some of the younger guys, you know, like the Judons and, and the Z'Darrius Smith and even Tyus Bowser. Where the hell is this guy? wanted to see these younger guys set step up more so that we could see Terrell Suggs be used in a situational type pass rush situation. But we haven't seen that. We have to rely on Suggs to be a pass rusher. And and, and you, you mentioned Judon and the way he's kind of up and down. He shows up some games and doesn't show up some games. And this is something that's kind of bothered me. And it's really kind of ticked me off. It, to me with Judon, it almost seems like a maturity thing. I mean, even even last week, you know, the whole tunnel thing and running out of sight and and just being stupid with it. Like there's there's something about him. You can see he's got the ability to be a good pass rusher in this league if he really committed to it and he really put in the work and he put in the time. But I just I don't see it. I know you go to training camp. You're inside with the practices and that kind of thing. Is is it is it the same way in the practice field? Are we you know, am I just taking too much and reading too much into that?
2: Well, I mean, especially now in the season, I mean, there, there is no really watching practice anymore, mm. but, uh, and I haven't been able to make it out this year. But, you know, I, I, I've yeah, I've, I've had a chance to kind of pay attention to, to Judon, and, and I think you're right. Uh, you know, I won't get into to some of the stuff that I've seen more privately, but I, I, I absolutely think it's a maturity thing. I think, you know, he takes plays off. I think uh, he's not always giving it his best effort at times. Uh, and, and, you know, he was a guy that, when he came into the, the draft, that was kind of a knock on him. I mean, he, he had solid uh, combine performance, everything considered. But look at him, and it's like, uh, you know, he's he's raw, he's got the talent, but does he have the maturity to go ahead and do it? And, uh, you know, it seems to come up every few games where you go, why did you do that, Judon? Why right. did you go ahead and, like pick Matthew Stafford up and like bend him over your, you know, like it's just, that's, that's insane, dude. (laughs) Like that's why would you do that? Right. That's, that's wee football and up, you know, better than that, but he just, he just has those weird lapses at times that, you know, you, you you hope again, the talent is there. If he can give 110% every single play, the dude's going to be fantastic. The problem is is I don't think you ever see that out of him uh, until I think he's one of those guys that shows up payday.
0: All right. Well, it makes a whole lot of sense. I think you're right there on the same page with us. So, so Scott and I got into an interesting conversation last week, uh, started talking about, you know, just the breakdown of the entire roster. Don't give any names here. Let's see what you no, say. Yeah, I want to see what you say. So <laughs> I think we had we had differing yeah. opinions on this. But if you had to say right now, if you had to say right now, the best player on the Ravens, not this season, who's the best player on the Ravens right now?
2: <laughs> oh man, I'll be honest. So I I, I looked at our outline before this. I went, oh, "I'll pull it out of my ass when we get there." <laughs> <laughs> well, here you go, pull it out. <laughs> um. Oh man. So there there's two different things that that I can go with this. I I think there's the best player right now, mm-hmm. and there's the guy with the most potential. I'm
0: talking best um, player right I see now. Flashes. Okay. All right.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and, and that's the tough thing. Like flashes, if you're talking about uh, uh, those types of things, it's it's right tackle Orlando Brown Jr. The guy, when he flashes, and he flashes far more often than, than people give him credit for, he is a dominant right tackle. The problem is it's just he's still learning, he's still raw, he's still right. having those issues. So not necessarily the best player. Oh, man, for, for best overall player on this team,
0: Say it. Say it.
2: And it's, it's Marshall Yonda, honestly. Marshall
0: oh, Yonda, I, I, okay. I
2: mean, wow. It's Marshall Yonda. It, it's, it, I, and I'll say this. I was negative on Yonda to start this season. He was not playing well. Uh, I, I did not grade him well quite a few times, but we're seeing him maybe just knock off some of that rust, maybe get back into full shape again yeah. after dealing with an injury and an off-season shoulder surgery and you know, all the things that he's gone with, we've seen him kind of return to form a little bit uh, and and be consistent. And and for everything, again, you know, flashes versus consistency, I'm going to take the guy that gives you a B all day long every day versus the guy that gives you anywhere from an F to an A because that's a lot of this team is F to A's depending on the play depending on on the game you're right you know Eric Weddle will have a huge game but then suddenly you're like what what's yeah. going on with you, Weddle <laughs> Suggs does the same thing Joe Flacco had an MVP start to his season the first 4 weeks he was on pace for a Tom Brady like MVP season yeah uh, that didn't pan out long term obviously but yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah you know, it's it, it's an inconsistent team uh, i'll say uh yeah, Marshall Yanda is just the 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 best player right now.
1: Uh, Matt but, I, Scott's itching I, here. I don't know if he, I don't know oh. if you if you've got the video feed on for for this call, but you should have seen Fred's face. <laughs> oh my god, you threw him for a loop
0: because yeah. his is who Marlon Humphrey. I don't think there's a better football player on this out. team than Marlon Humphrey. I, I really do. I mean, we got to see. Exactly how how much better this pass defense is not the total defense this pass defense is when Marlon Humphrey was out when Marlon Humphrey missed I mean this defense was getting picked apart in the secondary and once Jimmy Smith kind of got worked back into the mix you know I gave him a little bit of a you know a little slack because he had to come in after suspension get back up the game speed and all that stuff but I mean. He has ta- He has regressed quite a bit at corner. Um, obviously, he's overpaid for for his for for his production uh, and his ability to just to stay on the field. That's a whole other topic. But I just I think all around player. I agree with you a hundred percent on your take on Orlando Brown. I have been extremely. Happy with and extremely high on Orlando Brown. Didn't understand in the beginning of the year why he wasn't playing. We, we talked, talked about, about that quite yeah. a bit. I know there were some rumors that he wasn't picking up the playbook and things of that nature. I think Terrell Suggs even had that problem when he first came out of college too. But what this kid can do, uh, he shows a lot of promise. And to be able to get that guy in the third round was a huge steal in my, in my opinion. But I just think right now... The best overall player, if I had to pick ones, Marlon Humphreys. Just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. Marlon Humphreys was in my mind as well. Okay. I, I, I'm absolutely thrilled with what he's doing, uh, and and you know, again, for those that have paid attention to football or played football, <laughs> it, 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 quarterback is a lot like uh, you know your 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 lineman. If I don't hear your name, you're doing great. Exactly. The second I hear your name, we have a problem. <laughs> uh, and and Humphrey has been quiet. Uh, now, he he's had, you know, again, he's in his second year. He he has had some lapses here and there. He's had some issues. But, man, has he been really solid this year. And And he's another one of those guys that, like, when you look at this team and look at the core of some young players, you know, Orlando Brown Jr., Marlon Humphrey, you start looking at these guys going – uh, this might not be a rebuild so much as it is a retool. You just got to go ahead and get a few guys, and and yeah, Humphrey has absolutely been that. And um, you know, to to answer the question on, on why uh, Orlando Brown Jr. wasn't starting Week One, it's uh, it's the same thing that this team's done all season long, which is we paid James Hurst like a right tackle. Yeah, he's gonna be a right tackle. <laughs> I don't care what happens. Yeah, despite it not making any sense, despite. Orlando Brown, Jr., outplaying him from training camp. Right. Uh, it, it, I mean, that's just honestly what it is, which fits in perfectly with what this team <laughs> has done this year. But, yeah, Marlon Humphrey, man, you're, you're absolutely right. He, he's a guy that uh, absolutely was in my mind when I was going and, and, and saying Marshall Yonda, too.
0: All right, so we got the Falcons coming up next. We got them coming up this weekend. We're going to Atlanta in the Dome. Um, you know, Atlanta historically – always plays better at home than they do on the road. Uh, this team has been kind of up and down. I think that they uh, obviously their record uh, isn't very good right now, uh, but I think what they're lacking is they're, they're obviously missing the running game, not having Devonte Freeman, not having Tevin Coleman. Like these are two big guys that, you know, complete their offense, kind of like how we are missing our running game. They're missing their running game there. What. Are you looking for if the Ravens want to win this game, Matt? What are you looking to see? What do the Ravens need to do to win this game?
2: The the total key, the one key is don't give up the big play. That has been this defense's issue all season long. I mean, you look at the Oakland Raiders uh, uh, game. Yeah, you know, Carr sixteen thirty four one ninety four and one touchdown. You go. Well, that's I mean that's easy. Right. Yet you look at the final score. Uh, if you go ahead and take away that fumble recovery and, and and the the punt return for a touchdown, that's a twenty to seventeen game. That's not what you expect against a two and nine team. Right. Uh, and, and it's because you know he hit Seth Roberts for a forty four yard pass, hit Lee Smith for a thirty yard pass. Those things are so difficult to defend uh, consistently. But if Baltimore goes ahead and, and doesn't give up the big pass, they're far more likely to get themselves out of the game. Without a whole lot of points being scored, uh, and and I you know going back to our first little talk in our first segment here, uh, when you're talking about a Lamar Jackson led team, this defense has to go ahead and keep the score lower than what Atlanta can do to this team.
0: All right, so good point, and I, I think I agree with all your points there. Obviously the the big weapons on offense um, that that Matt Rad- Ryan has to his disposal. Julio Jones, and he's got the rookie Calvin Ridley. Which, if Calvin Ridley goes off in this game, Baltimore is going to have a hissy fit. Uh, I will not be on Twitter for a few days. I will take a break. I do not want to deal with that. But here's here's my question. So there there's been you know there's there's a couple different ways that you can play this out, right? You know, a lot of you know some people are of the the mindset that. You put your best corner on the best wide receiver and that's how you shut, you know, a, a number one wide receiver down, right? That's one approach. The other approach is you take your number one and you put him on the number two wide receiver. You put your second best corner on the number one receiver and you shadow him and you give double teams to that guy. What's your take on the best way to stop Julio Ridley in this passing attack?
2: Well uh, uh, you know again this is a, uh, this is one of these like pick your poison type of offenses right where if you're not careful I mean even if you go ahead and lock Ridley down even if you lock Leo Jones down, man that tight end hooper yeah. all mm-hmm. of a sudden has that middle of the field all to himself all game long uh, and Baltimore not done well with that so, <laughs> no you know j- just just like what Baltimore was doing to, to defenses earlier in the season, safety play is going to be pretty critical here. Uh, you, you need the safeties to be able to kind of keep the big play from happening, allow you to go one-on-one with with uh, uh, Jones and Ridley as much as possible. You know, you're going to throw a little zone in there as well, of course. But uh, try to go ahead and do that a little bit more so that way you can put more guys in the middle of the field. You can drop... Uh, you know on uh, peanut back and Mosley can stay in there and and Kenny young can stay in there the 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 more time that Matt Ryan has the football the less chance of success he's gonna have uh, and, and yeah it, it's I mean, it's all gonna come down to safety play so Eric Weddle's gonna have to have one of his best games of the season in order to really lock that down because otherwise someone's going off for over a hundred yards pretty easily
1: yeah no I, I agree with that I mean we we talked about it last week on the show about Really, ultimately, what this team needs in that secondary being a, f- a true free safety.
0: Yeah, his team it, hasn't had a free safety since Ed Reed.
1: Yeah, I mean, and so I think that plays yeah. a it plays a huge role. So that's why you you're absolutely right. You need you need your safeties to step up. You need to do it. And by the way, you, you mean to tell me that Hooper uh, can't be covered by C.J. Mosley? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I I, uh, I I'm not as negative on C.J. Mosley as as a lot of people are. Uh, I, I I think that he's been given a lot of the Flacco treatment, which is not the greatest talent around him, so he's asked to do far too much. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm i not excited about that matchup is what I'll say.
1: How, how much do you think of that, from the defensive standpoint, real quick, how much do you think of that is the use of Kenny Young and him where, where he's having to drop back in coverage a little bit more than Kenny Young and Kenny Young is playing up more on the line, and I guess maybe I don't know whether the thinking is he's younger and more spry and can get to the, you know, has a better shot to get to the quarterback than maybe Mosley does. But he's been playing a lot more up on the line than Mosley has been.
2: Yeah, I mean, this defense, when you look at it the last few years, has really been a, we'll let you catch the four yard pass and then we'll come up and make a tackle. I don't care if you go a hundred percent for your completions, we're going to go ahead and shut you down. Uh, we're not going to let you get a first down very consistently or we're going we're to make you fight for every yard. That's really what Mosley's been doing throughout his entire career as a coverage guy, uh, and, and that's what works with this defense primarily versus you know a guy like Kenny Young who has flashed but has also had some negative sides to him. And when you're talking about um, you know, any confusion in the middle of the field, any, any screw-ups at all is a touchdown. Uh, so I'd much rather have Mosley chasing somebody down for for eight yards rather than Kenny Young just not realizing where he doesn't need to be, and, and a seventy yard pass goes off because the tight end was wide open all the way down the field.
1: Gotcha.
0: Well, one quick, one more quick question about that coverage defense. Obviously, this past week Tony Jefferson went down with an injury, um, and yeah. was Chuck Clark, I think, that stepped yeah. in and replaced yeah. him. What's your opinions on Chuck Clark versus Tony Jefferson? Can we see? Do we see anything different, or is it more so the same as what we have Tony Jefferson in play?
2: Uh, So I I, I, just like CJ Mosley. I'm not as down on Tony Jefferson as so many other people are, but uh, I I mean it certainly hurts. You you lose the experience, and and I love Chuck Clark. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player down the line. Uh, but he is still relatively inexperienced. He doesn't have the most snaps in the world uh, uh, on defense. He's primarily a special teams guy. But just like a lot of this core of, of this team, he's got the physical talent to do it. Uh, you're just going to see some of those weird lapses at times. Uh, and if if Jefferson really is out for this game, you know, like, like the the it's, it suspects he should be. Um, you know, Clark is is going to have a few screw ups, but I, I think he's also going to play fairly well. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't answer your question by any stretch of the imagination.
1: But, uh, that was a classic uh, dance job. Uh, that was a horrible absolutely. walk around the question.
2: Uh, I am, that is precisely it. Uh, the, the only thing that made it any better was I didn't call the question stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Ouch. But no, I, I, I mean, it, it, the answer is, is you're going to see some, some, decrease in play i mean that's just going to be the the fact of the matter is all right uh but at a certain point just like lamar jackson just like gus edwards just like Orlando brown jr eventually these young guys need to go ahead and and, and get snaps eventually you need to play eventually you need to go hey you know what i'll let up a 40 yard pass if chuck clark gets an additional 15 plays throughout a game because you know what we're gonna have to turn to him in the next year or two you can't keep this team forever the way that it is right trying to do so is part of why baltimore is in the position they're in
1: exactly Exactly. Well, before we let you go, Matt, I want to get your your prediction uh, for this game in Atlanta. What- we, need th-
0: we need three predictions from you, Matt. Oh, all right. We need three. <laughs> go all of them. We- yeah. Here- here's the three that I need from you, Matt. Who starts a quarterback? That's one. Who wins the game? And then score. what's
2: the score? Lamar Jackson starts at quarterback. I think even if Flacco is able to come back and, and he practices all three games, he's been out for three and a half weeks. Okay, uh, He's he's going to be a little rusty. I don't think you put him back in initially, especially since, and again, take this with a grain of salt from what Harbaugh said, but you know there, there's a fear of dislocation. There, there's no tear or anything like that, but it's still banged up. It's still sore. It's still swollen. Uh, you, you don't want to go ahead and put your guy out there and potentially get him injured when you know the the best case scenario for you is you win this game, I guess. Like, ugh, the worst case scenario is you you're stuck with twenty six million dollars next year because you can't trade Joe Flacco. And you know, are you going to release him and and only take a ten million dollar uh, increase for not? Ha- it just it doesn't make any sense. So Lamar Jackson starts this one. Mark Jackson uh, starts. What was the Second question. Second question <laughs> is who wins? The Ravens win. Okay, uh, and I'm not confident about that in the <laughs> slightest. Uh, one thing when you when you look at this team, Baltimore sucks on the road. You never know which version of this team is going to show up. Agreed, uh, and that's I mean this season they're Cincinnati, two and three right now. Away. They, they decided not show up for yeah exactly exactly, and and even then you know they got spanked by Carolina. They got beat up by by Cleveland in a game that Cleveland didn't seem to want to win. Uh, and and they just didn't show up at all for the first half against Cincinnati. So th- there's a distinct possibility. This team just never shows up at all to, this week. Uh, and, and Atlanta just walks through everything pretty easily. We could also see the team that we've seen the last two weeks, which is excited, passionate football and willing to punch Atlanta in the mouth. And if they do that, Atlanta is not built to handle that for 60 minutes. Okay. Uh, they, they will fold quickly under that. So, I'll say Baltimore wins just because I think Baltimore continues to go ahead and run the ball effectively and and uh, that's the key there. Uh, but uh, I I wouldn't be a betting man on it. Give me a score. 27
0: to 20. 27-20. All right, mm-hmm. fair enough. Matt Stevens from the Ravens Wire. Locked on Ravens. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Tell everybody where they can find you and what you're doing and what you're working on, man.
2: Well, yeah, as you just kind of mentioned, I'm the managing editor and and lead writer of the Ravens Wire. So go to ravenswire.usatoday.com. Let me actually just double-check that because it's a little funky. ravenswire.usatoday.com. Uh, not the theravenswire.com because that leads you to another site uh, <laughs> but go there check out our content uh, you can also obviously follow me at S underscore nfl I try to go ahead and live tweet during games and, and of course all the content that we publish gets sent through my twitter feed as well uh, and if any indication for the last few days has been the case you already probably know of me and hate me for my take on the more <laughs>
0: Matt, you're a good dude, man. We appreciate having you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Uh We got
1: to have him on for round 2. We def- gloves yeah. off the next We time. definitely <laughs> got to do this again,
0: man. Appreciate you being on, man.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Absolutely. Always a pleasure being on with you guys and and doing this and uh yeah, uh, we, we have a matchup this week for fantasy football, by the way. We weren't going to get into I, that. Yeah, I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let that one go. I wasn't going to go into that. That could be a whole nother bag of worms there. <laughs> be sure you follow us at Baltimore or ba- right, is it Baltimore, Baltimore one on Twitter uh, as we have our, our, our fantasy football. That's a lot of fun with a bunch of other guys that are into the podcast and, and blogger scene, man. Bunch of good guys. But Matt, we appreciate you coming on, man. We'll talk again soon.
2: Uh, I appreciate you having me, guys. Have a good one. All right, man. You You too. too. Matt Stevens. There he goes. Yeah, man. That
0: was a lot of fun, man. That was. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) Always good to have him. He's got great insight on things. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I don't agree. I, I don't disagree with a lot of the things that he said. I, I said earlier, you know, I can play both sides of the fence on this because honestly, I can really see both sides of the fence with Flacco and with Lamar. I just you just wanted to go at Matt. That's all it was. Man, I, don't... <laughs> I just, I just, you know, the extremists. You know, the one side or the other, and they're so dead set on Lamar is the guy, or do, so dead set on Joe is the guy. Those are the people that I like to pick apart, <laughs> and not to say Matt was being that way at all. But we just got
1: into a healthy debate earlier, and I thought, man, that would be good for live TV. <laughs> and, and kudos to him thanks for, to matt for that because he, he yeah. kind of did this on 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 uh, a whim on a whim yeah. and came on we appreciate it man uh so thanks for joining us we had to do a social media shout out real quick absolutely we've absolutely. been we've been going at this for a while there are plenty of people watching uh throughout all of our, <laughs> our different Honestly, social media i spots.
0: have not really been paying attention to much of the comments so i'm sorry guys i you normally you know me i'm on top of that kind of thing but so far, I see Justin. Appreciate you tuning in. Sherry, as always. Roland, good to see you in. I haven't seen you in here before, so good to see you. Dave Foster, as always. Ryan Hewitt, the uh, the redheaded one. Yeah. Joining us. James, as always. And Parker, never seen you in here before, so appreciate you joining in, this, in the feed. Uh, Nikki, as always. Appreciate the uh, the feedback, Nikki, on the volume there. I got that situated, <laughs> yes. so thank you. Joe, Kim, Carrie, uh, Mark trish good to see you uh that's all i see on
1: my end yeah so on on uh youtube we had connor sam uh hector tim chimed in for a little while uh our our friends that we we kind of had talked to the other day spotlight sports talk uh nice little channel they talk about different games and everything follow them on youtube if you haven't subscribe to their channel yeah definitely go check them out uh kdppx uh not sure what that stands for, but uh, <laughs> chiming in, uh, saying Lamar hitting uh, John Brown. Yes, he did hit John Brown for some uh, back. some yep. shots. It was wound up being called back uh, on on uh, Twitter. Hector on Twitter again. Uh, <laughs> Joe Schiller, uh, Biggie course S S. Z G sports. Also another guy. Yeah, does we're going to do some
0: work together. We, him and I have been talking. So we'll have him on the show here soon too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, go check him out again at SCG sports as well. Uh, and on my end, I know that you said James was in there. I think you saw, I think you said Justin. I think you hit pretty much everybody that I was seeing on Facebook. I think all Facebook right. has fixed the issues that we were having a while back where we couldn't see half the people watching.
2: Well, let's get so. into
0: our predictions. So we heard Matt. Matt went with the Ravens in this. I honestly didn't think he was going to go that way. With everything that he was saying, especially that he picked, Lamar will be the starting quarterback this week. I didn't think he would go with the Ravens, but he did. Uh, and it looks like I think the three of us are all on board with that. I think we're all kind of hopeful and i think we're all kind of um hoping that we can see the offense continue to grow under lamar i know just based on some of the things that i heard i don't have any inside information but based on the things that i've heard on on flacco's hip condition and him going to get checked out and has not been cleared as of yet we're going into wednesday tomorrow i do not think that he's going to have enough time to practice and be ready for this game so i do think that they go with lamar
1: even even if they do even if they did he's going to be tentative uh just for the simple fact like you said they they're not going to risk you know the hip injury with him
0: right so i've got the ravens winning this one 27-24 ryan he has the ravens winning this 28-24
1: scott i have 28-24 well as well uh falcons oh you're going the other way with i'm it. Going, going the other going way because the here's right. the deal i think i think lamar is going to start uh and this is I can't say it's a knock on Lamar, but I just don't know that Lamar can go into Falcon Stadium. They're 3-3 three and three right now at home, and the Ravens are 2-3 and three in away games. I just don't know that we can handle the Falcons and be able to cover. This is going to be an offensive game, and like you said, you've got to lock down Julio and Calvin Ridley, not one or the other, but if you lock the two of them down, like Matt said, you leave Hooper open. I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a close game, but I think it's going to be a close game in favor of the Falcons at home. They're coming off three straight losses. Matt Ryan has something to prove. The Ravens coming off and they, they're off of, uh, what three straight wins, I believe, or two straight wins at this point. But Matt Ryan and this Falcons team has something to prove and they need to prove it at home because they've, they lost, uh, to Dallas at home 22 to 19 in a close game.
0: All right, so Thursday night football. We got the 10-1 and 1 Saints going up against the 6-5 and 5 Cowboys. Look, the Cowboys are playing much better football now. Uh, I, I think they've kind of gone back to feeding Ezekiel Elio the ball, and that's obviously been beneficial to their offense. Not only is he running well, but that opens up the passing game more for Dak Prescott. Amari uh, uh, Cooper has fit in well there offensively, obviously he's making plays. He looks more like the first round pick that Amari Cooper was now. I don't know if it was just a change of scenery that he needed, or he fits better in this offense, whatever it may be. Raider, uh, the, the, the Cowboys are definitely playing better football, but the saints, they're the best football team in the NFL right now. In my opinion, I think they're the most rounded team, offensively, defensively, special teams. They've just got a really good team. They're unpredictable on offense. They've got weapons galore. I think the Saints win this one pretty handedly 37 to 20. Ryan's right there with me. He's got the Saints winning this one 41 to 27.
1: Yeah, I've got it right there 35-21 Saints. I I just think it's a runaway here for the Saints. Like you said, we we saw them live, we talked about this multiple times now. Just the way that they're playing it is just it's so balanced every week. Uh it's and Hill. The way that the role that Hill plays in that offense it's just off the charts. So I, I definitely think it's Saints, no no doubt. Uh the next game that you have, Sunday night, you got the Chargers at the Steelers. Eight and three Chargers kinda on a roll here. Yeah. And the seven and three Steelers that are kind of seven three and one. Seven three and one. Don't discredit Sorry. that tie. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh so seven three and one. Hate it. And they're they're on that they're on the edge right now. They've they've had a few struggles here the past few weeks. Yeah. Uh so I have this game twenty seven twenty four Chargers Ryan has the exact same thing what do you got this I'm going the other way with this I'm going with the Steelers I think they've kind of gotten away
0: these past couple of weeks from what was working early on and that was James Conner James Conner was a big factor in the offense and we haven't seen that as much over these past couple of weeks he's been dealing with a few injuries um, Steelers at home always play better at home Big Ben always plays better at home uh I think that team's a little pissed off with the way the last game went, uh, losing that game. So, I think the Steelers win this one in a close game because I was high on Chargers. I was very high on the Chargers coming into this year. I think Philip Rivers is is having one of Old his best. River. He's having one of his best season. If if Mahomes wasn't doing what he's doing in Kansas City and Drew Brees wasn't doing what he's doing in New Orleans. I think Phillip Rivers is in conversation as MVP this type of year. I mean, I, I think he's having that kind of a year. Uh, but I do have the Steelers winning this one 30 to 28, unfortunately. <laughs> Monday night football, you've got the Alex Smithless Redskins <laughs> at six and five going against the, the struggling Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, uh, five and six. No, I don't think anybody saw this team struggling this bad. No. Especially, you know. They really didn't lose much on this team, and if anything, they added pieces. You get Carson Wentz back, you know, from from his injury, and you think, oh, it might take him a little while to kind of get his feet, you know, going and all that stuff. But we haven't seen the progression from him. I think that we all kind of expected. Uh, so I, I do have, I do have the Eagles winning this because I don't think Colt McCoy is the answer for Washington at quarterback. Colt McCoy, uh, but I, you know, again. I don't think the Eagles are a very good football team right now. They're struggling, uh, but I got the Eagles winning this
1: 23-18. Yeah, I've got the Eagles right there. I've got a thirty to twenty, and this is why you know just as a quick kind of side note here, this is why it's so hard in the NFL to repeat because when you keep guys, like that's the the common theme is you keep the same core of guys, and it becomes very easy for people to game plan against you because. Well, you had success with this last year. What's the likelihood you're going to go away from that? Right. It's very, it's very slim. You'd have to add another pizza that is a different threat that adds another level to your game, and that's something that the, the Eagles just did not do. I got it 30-21, and then Ryan... Uh, I'm sorry, I got it 30-20. Ryan has it at Eagles as well, 28-21. By the way, going into this week, you're 32-11. and 11. I'm 29-14. and 14. Ryan, because he missed uh, the first two weeks, is 22-14. and 14. So be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I'm in the lead. It's kind of yeah. like fantasy football as well. I think I'm in the No, no, I think no. actually Ryan's in the lead on that one.
1: So. Yeah. No. Ryan and yeah. his wife.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man, so <clears throat> let's talk a little Terps football, man. Uh
2: <laughs> We're not going to make this We're not
1: I'm not even going to go into that that Penn State game too much here because look, A Penn State was favored by 13 and a half points, but B we just got walloped thirty eight to three. I mean, no part of that of that game uh, or, or of the the Terps game was on fire. Was doing anything uh, worth worth what we wanted to see. So I just think it, in this game, it, it it was expected. But I think a lot of people had high hopes because of what they did against Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I think that was like the big letdown.
1: But how much of how much of this game could have been them riding that high a little too long and not being prepped for Penn State? How much of it was they got lucky against Ohio State? How much of it was, you know, the fact that that piggy had a a pretty damn good game for for his game against Ohio State and just he had there was now more tape on him when he's throwing the ball. You know, I saw some of the, the highlights. I wasn't able to watch the game, but I saw some of the highlights where when he wasn't successful, he was going to the left where we said he was going in the game against Ohio state. Right. And he was getting beat every time he was, it just wasn't happening.
0: These are, I mean, it's a tale of two totally different teams in Ohio state and Penn state. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I went into talking to you about the, the Ohio state game, the one area that, that, that Ohio state struggled on was defense. They were young on defense. They were athletic, but they were young. They were making young mistakes. Um, and Maryland, Attacked that. Maryland at home also. Right. uh, You know, got the running game going early. I mean, they had the two big runs from Anthony McFarland. Penn State's a totally different animal defensively. They're one of the better teams in the Big Ten defensively. And the Terps just could absolutely not get anything going on the ground in this game. McFarland, six carries for 12 yards. After going back to back 200 yard games, gets shut down, shut down for 12 yards. I mean, the team only had 74 yards of total rushing. With this team as, as predicated as the offense is around the run, if a team holds you to 74 total rushing yards, that's not a good formula for winning. Um, You know, and then the other, the other side of it is the offensive line didn't play well in this game. I mean, they gave up five sacks. Part of that's on Piggy, not being smart and getting rid of the ball. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, the offensive line just couldn't block. Um, and, and and on defense, they struggled against the run. As much as they couldn't get the run going, Penn State was attacking us. I mean, Miles Sanders, 14 carries for 128 yards. I mean, that's a
1: nine-yard nine per carry average. Yeah, no, absolutely. Another stat to, when it comes to the running game, this team – Went over when they went un, when they ran the ball for under 120 yards. Yeah, so it just goes to show you how much this running game plays a factor. And yes, they lost, They had some big games with Ant McFarland uh, in the Indiana game with 210, and then in Ohio State with 298. But it, it just goes to show when they Leak was the strongest runner, 34 yards for the team. They lost that in Penn State. Leak again. When they played against Iowa, 16 yards. He was the highest on the team. Piggy, 63 when they played Michigan. Right. You know, when they don't do it, it just doesn't happen. The only game, and I, I'm sorry, I, I cr- have to correct myself. They didn't go over, they did win one. And that was the first game against Texas where Fleet Davis had 31 yards. But that's when they were doing it by committee where half the team had 31 yards yeah, rushing. Right,
0: right. So as a total. Right. Well,. It was a terrible game. Penn State mollywopped us, thirty-eight-three. We don't need to. We don't need. To I'm spend, not going to beat
1: a dead horse. We don't
0: need to spend too much time on it. it. Was awful showing, but look, all in all, I don't think the Terps had a bad year. You know, they were one overtime play away from beating one of the best teams in the country and being bowl eligible. Considering everything that they had going on around the university and specifically around the
1: football team, there were a lot of distractions for them this year. Yeah,
0: having to deal with the tragedy and just and then not just the tragedy in itself, which is enough for a team to have to deal with and the but aftermath. Then, yeah, having to deal with all the aftermath. So that and that brings up my next point. And Dave actually brought this up as well on Facebook. Uh, he says at this point, Terps just need to fire a new or hire a new coach and start rebuilding the program again. And I wanted to see and get your take on this, so everything I just said, considering the year, I think Matt Canada has done a pretty good job keeping that team and keeping that program together uh, it seemed like the players kind of rallied around Canada obviously when the 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 well the president made the announcement that Durkin was gonna come back, the players a good portion of the players kind of rebelled against that, which I think obviously one, it shows what Jordan McNair meant to their to the to the team and to the players and, and that kind of thing, but it also meant something to Matt Canada because they didn't turn their back on Matt Canada.
1: No, absolutely.
0: So with that said, has Matt Canada done enough to be extended as the head coach or do we look elsewhere?
1: So I'm going to go against, uh, Dave is my uncle. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go against you, Uncle Dave. Uh, I don't think they need to hire a new coach. I think Matt Canada has proven himself. He took this team to a strong, strong 5-7 and seven showing uh, in this season. In They were fifth in the Big Ten. Okay. We'd like to see better. Right. I don't think anybody debate that. But let's look at... And not detract from what happened off the field. Because if, if you don't think the off the field stuff had something to do with some of these losses, you're out of your mind. People will say, well, what about you know what about the fact that they won all the games? Well, let's look at the losses. I mean, the losses that they did have were to ranked teams. Michigan, the only ranked team that you beat was Texas right. to start the season. But then you lose to Michigan. They were 15th. You lose to Iowa, 19. You lose to Ohio State, 10. You lose to Penn State, who was ranked? I believe they have it as twelve. I believe they were twenty fourth when we played them. I believe they fell in the rankings. Penn State, did not they fall in the rankings before the game this last week? Yeah, uh, I don't think so. so Maybe that, they were. Okay, so far. all right. So let's assume they were at twelve. So they're at twelve. So those games, thirty eight to three was Penn State, fifty two to fifty one in overtime against Ohio State. Your Illinois game, nobody expected, or I'm sorry, not Illinois, your Iowa game, we got shut out 23 to 0. Nobody expected us to, to keep Iowa to 23 points in that game, first off. Let's right. think about that. Yes, we didn't score any points on offense, but nobody expected us to hold them to 23 points. Period. Right. Uh, but then you also look at the Michigan game, 42-21. Nobody expected us to put up 21 points. They thought it was going to be a blowout. That was projected right. to be a 40 or 30 or 40 point to a, maybe a 10 point game, right. as what everybody was playing that as. And then the Texas game, nobody expected us to beat Texas going into the season. Right? They were ranked 23rd. We kept it close, and then. Put the nail in the coffin at thirty four twenty nine. So I just, I think Matt Canada and what he's done has proven what it is. And I know, and he brings it up right as I'm about to say, and I know him all too well. He says, he questions his recruit of good players. Look, yes, your coach has an effect on that. But you know what? Matt Canada can reach out to some guys. There's scouts out there. There's guys that can that can go get top guys. And you need somebody that's going to be able to say, look, I stood behind this team. I stood behind my players when there was a player on the line. That's a little bit of a selling point to say, look, we're going to keep the coach that led this team to a pretty decent season right?" despite a death with the team on team time. Yeah. Now, to your point,
0: and I think recruiting has to be – crucial with this program obviously they've got a huge black eye right now so recruiting is going to be tough I don't care who you are No. but to say Matt Canada isn't a good recruiter isn't fair because I don't think he was given he's been given that opportunity to be the recruiter that he you know that he could potentially be because this staff was built by DJ Durkin DJ Durkin brought in all these staff members Matt Canada had to take over right before the season started. He didn't get a chance to make any changes with the staff because they didn't know what they were going to do with Durkin not right. until three-quarters of the way through the season. So if you commit yourself to Canada, as you said, Canada can, Canada can then, as the head coach, start to build his staff and start to build his staff around his weaknesses. And if, if – I don't know enough about Canada in himself to know if he could be or couldn't be a good recruiter – but it is crucial to this university that whoever he brings in specializes in recruitment. Yeah. Um, now, a guy that has been kind of thrown out there as a potential candidate, if Matt Canada isn't the guy, Mike Loxley. Uh, yeah, obviously, no. he has the Maryland ties and he's uh, you know out at Alabama right now, but wants to be a head coach. Um, now, Loxley was kind of shunned. Uh, The last time his name was brought up for Durkin. So I don't know how that kind of sits with him. But at the end of the day, if he gets an head coaching opportunity, and this is the best head coaching opportunity that he gets, Mike Loxley is well-respected in the DMV area. And if you're going to recruit in this area, he can absolutely do that. So if that is your single most important piece is recruitment, yes, Mike Loxley is your guy. But I, I think Matt Canada, if you give him a chance, I like what he did. Absolutely. Given short notice that he was going to be the head coach. I like what he did. He does have a decent recruit class coming in this year. If he can put the right staff around him, I'm for bringing Matt Canada back. The
1: only thing, and I I, I look, here I, I agree. I think I'm for Matt Canada coming back. My thing is, will they do that? And my answer, I believe, will be no. Because Matt Canada was a Durkin guy. Right. That's why. They're going to try to cut as many ties from DJ Durkin as they can. Um, do I think that's a fair judgment call? Maybe not so much. Uh, as long as you see that... Some of the things that were happening under durkin 's hand, some of the things that caused the controversy, as long as you don 't see those come out, I think that's one thing that that 's one thing that you want to make sure that you do is try to cut those ties, but you have to also respect what canada did it 's going to be a fine line that they've got, they've got to walk i 'm curious to see what they do in this off season uh, and and how they approach it because. Both points could be made both ways.
0: Bill brings up a good point. He says Penn State does not want Loxley here, and he's absolutely right. Penn State would be the biggest college in the Big Ten affected by Loxley and his ability to recruit in this area. Obviously, um, oh Christ, what's the head coach up there? Franklin, yeah. uh, the, the ex-Maryland uh, offensive coordinator, has done good things up there in Penn State. He took over a program that was in under a whole lot of turmoil, and He's built them into a powerhouse again in the Big Ten. Um, and yeah, you don't want somebody like Loxley that has all these local ties coming in your backyard and stealing recruits, especially somebody in your own conference. So we'll see what happens, man. It'll be interesting. I, I, I respect Matt Canada and what he did. I do think Lock, Loxley would be a good candidate. We'll have to see if you know how much interest there really is between them. But let's talk a little bit about... The team in itself, the players, right? So, obviously, later on in the year, we saw the emergence of Ant McFarlane, right? Yeah. Obviously, he had the back-to-back 200 yards games. I mean, set all kinds of freshman records. You know, this this kid, he's the real deal. Do you think, going into next year, that this kid has a a legitimate shot at the Doak Walker Award next year for the best running back in college football.
1: If he can put together a, lo- a longer string of games like he did with the 200-yard well, know, you know he's, he's, he's a, he's a shoe in at that point, in my opinion. I don't right. care who's up. With the team that he's with, with what he's doing, and the consistency that he can provide, I do think it's possible. What you have to look at is his consistency throughout the year. If he can provide that consistency, and really, he took off, and this was a this was originally a running back a team of running backs by, by committee. committee. Yeah, yeah, and then he just started standing out a little bit more. It started with a fifty-yard game. Then it was a, a, I think I want to say it was a fifty-yard game, and then he had the hundred and seven-yard game. Right. Those two games, I think, kind of propelled him to be the look. This back. is this is this is a guy we're going to hand the ball off to when we need it, when we need it most. Right. They're they're gonna he's you know not a, not just a third down back, but he's a first and second down back as well. Right. So you have to be willing to do that. But I also think that the big role in that leads into what I know we're going to get into next, which is your quarterback. So for me, with Anthony McFarlane, I think he absolutely has the potential
0: to be one of the best running backs in college football. I mean, he proved that later on, you know, late in this season for him. I think the big thing is obviously Ty Johnson now moves on. He graduates and he'll probably get a shot somewhere in the NFL. So that opens up more carries for McFarland next year. I think a lot of this relies on how serious McFarland puts time in in the offseason. If he really hones in on his craft, I don't know him personally, so I don't know... If he's, uh, you know, too big headed of a guy and, and, and kind of a me guy and, and not a worker, I don't know his work ethic, that kind of thing. That's going to be, I think, the the separating factor with him is if he goes in and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't take lightly the success that he has and he wants to be better and he puts in the work in the off season. Absolutely. This kid can be in the talk for the Doke Walker Award next year. Yeah, no.
1: So, all right. So then getting into that. As far as the QB, mm-hmm. who do you think the Q B is next year? Piggy? Is it Hill? Or, you know, the recruit that's coming in? David Summers?
0: David Summers got a long way to go. I think you rule him out. He's he's gonna be too young, he's too raw of a talent. Hill, I was very disappointed with. I thought what he showed in his freshman year, obviously, it was a very, very small sample size before he got hurt, but everything that we kind of heard about this guy when, you know, Haskins obviously shunned us, and then the next guy in line that we, we picked up was Hill, I was kind of excited about some of the things that I heard about his ability to throw the ball. We haven't seen that. We did not see that at all this year. Piggy, I think, obviously, what he lacks in size is it a, is a concern for any quarterback? You know, I mean, the guy's like five foot eight. You know, that's always that's always a concern. But just in the few games that we saw him, once Hill went down again with his second injury. Yeah, I like the offense, the current offense and the way it's built. I think it's better and it's better ran with piggy a
1: quarterback. What's your take? I would agree. I think it's definitely better run than with piggy. My one hit on piggy is. We've got to work on his his passing game. It has to be worked on a little bit more. He's every time I see it, I've said it to you, I said it earlier. I think he has that tendency as as many young quarterbacks do. He has a tendency to go one way over the other and for him it's left. He doesn't want to let the ball fly out to the right for some reason most of the time. He has he has, I'm not saying he completely avoids the right side. Right. But I don't feel like he's looking over the middle as much as he should. I don't feel he's looking to the right as he should. He's looking left a lot. And I think that needs to be addressed with him. We need to look to get over the middle a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needs to have the, those, continue to have those weapons that can be downfield threats, but also oh, the, the over the middle of the game, it needs to be addressed. We need to get something over the middle more often to be able to exploit some of these, you know, linebackers that are just rushing like crazy and leaving the, the midfield, middle of the field wide open. Yeah. So that's that's my take on it. That's where I stand on it. Um, I, I just think I think Piggy is your, your best option right now.
0: Well, that's a wrap on college football for the year. Terps finish at five and seven again. Big shout out to Ryan Shamo. Appreciate you. And, and your family for for taking me to that game. Maryland, Ohio State, couldn't have gone to a better game. You guys, you guys know for fans of the show, you know my alliance. Uh, I'm an Ohio State fan closet, <laughs> but I'm also a, a Terps fan, so it was uh, the best of both worlds for me to be able to be there and watch that game. Appreciate that again, Ryan. So let's talk a little bit about the Orioles and reasons to be excited about the Orioles we, we announced you know the big obviously signing with you know Elias Mike Elias coming in it was the guy that you and I had talked about if we were we gonna go about at- it for weeks yeah if we were gonna go after a guy that's the guy we want and we hit a home run Mike Elias is here for two days and he hits another one out of the park Sigma Dahl.
1: Sigma Dall, the guy that works at it was a former NASA employee a biomathematician at at uh, NASA. I got. I just got to read this off real quick. He has degrees in mechanical and aeronautical engineering. Those are bachelors. Thank you as for well reading as, this. I wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> as well <laughs> as a master's degree in operations research and cognitive psychology. Oh, and he's also worked with Elias before, not just with the Houston Astros, but he started with him in 2005 with the Cardinals when he was working there. So this guy has a history. He has the ability. Are we surprised? I'm not. Because we talked about it last week, he basically said it without saying it last week uh, in his press conference when he was asked if he was going to bring SIG in. He was like, "Oh, well, I can't talk about free agencies," but the, <laughs> the answer was basically yes. You know, that's right. what we kind of get out of it. Um, I think it's a great move. I'm not surprised by it. I look. This is weird for me to say because I am a, tr- a baseball traditionalist. You know that. Yeah, I've always been that, but I think it is time for the Orioles. To you, you can't, you can't let go of traditional baseball. You can't. No, it's got to be in your roots. It, it has to be. But you got to roll with change. You do. You have to. You have to roll with the change. You have to move along. You have to get get people. The that game's can, evolving. Absolutely. You have to get people that are gonna that are going to. Give you the analytics that you, yeah. that you want and everything. We talked about it with the Chris Davis thing and him saying, look, I want to get the analytics involved. And I think this is the first move. He wants Sig in there. And I'm sure Sig's going to be, if he hasn't, or hasn't already started looking at it, he is looking at tape of Chris Davis to get the stats and get the information to Chris Davis. If he hasn't already, he may have done that before even getting here.
0: I think Elias is like his biggest statement. And it was probably one of the most simplest statements was you can't leave any resource untapped. No. Right, you know, and and that was kind of the 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 bad thing that was going on in the front office with the Orioles was there were all these rumors about, you know, well, Angelos doesn't want to go into the the international market and you know, he doesn't want to get into analytics and he doesn't want to do these things. Well, you can't you can't live in the past and what worked in the past. Again, Baseball now is totally different than it was 10, 15 years ago. Things have changed. Technology has changed. Statistics. It's
1: changed, it's changed in the last five years, not
0: even just 10 years, yeah. five years. I mean, it, so much is out there. So much information is available to you. Why wouldn't you use it? Why wouldn't you take it and use it to your advantage and act like it doesn't exist? It's its ridiculous.
1: He, here's my only thing, and it, it comes in the form of overanalyzation. Parts of the game are being overanalyzed. It's something that it's debated. It'll be continue to be debated. I just think it's one of those things that you have to. You ha- yes, you need to look at everything. Yeah. You take it into account, but you do not use every single piece of information to make your decision. Sometimes that information, you know, in my in my industry, if it's less than one percent, I don't care. Right, if it's less than one percent of the time, it could be one percent of the time in baseball, and I feel like it's moving towards. Oh well, one. You know, sometimes they do this. Sometimes, they, well, they they do this one percent. So we're gonna we're gonna be playing for this and, and this too. If it's less than one percent, like seriously, I mean, I get that, and I, I just I just think that if the resources
0: are there and it's available to use, whether you know how detrimental it is to your decision making, if it's there, you use it and you use it to your advantage. And actually, your uh, your uncle said that. Uh, They have analytics positions posted on uh, Indeed right now, and then he put them on our Facebook page. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, there you Uh, go. But look, I mean, that's that's what we want to see out of this GM is somebody who's going to come in, hit the ground running, start making the changes, start going through the interview processes that he needs to go through to build his team, and chip one has already fallen, and that was a good – Great signing, in my yeah, opinion. Absolutely. Um, the next signing, the next big piece, is obviously your field general uh, and your manager, and we'll see who the candidates are for that position.
1: He's already making moves without without a manager, right? He he pulls up and selects uh, the contract of right-handed pitcher Dylan Tate from Bowie and designates uh, shortstop Engel Velma for assignment. Uh, Tate, to remind you, was one of three spot prospects in the Zach Britton trade with the Yankees. Uh, just a little stat on him, and, and why I'm I'm already I'm not going to say I'm questioning, but I'm like I'm scratching my head a little on this move. Uh, not that Velmo was setting anything on fire either. Right. Um, in 2018, Tate went was went seven for seven and five through 22 starts with a 4.16 ERA averaging five and a half innings per start with 2.75 runs per start. You heard that before? <laughs> yeah, it sounds familiar. What does it sound familiar to? <laughs> Come on, say uh, it. Say it. The rest of the pitching staff, yeah. nothing lights on fire. Come on, let's figure it out. now. I- <laughs> <laughs> it's a waiting game. It really is for the rest, yeah, of, the, that's every, the, the rest that's of the the, the moves. thing.
0: There's so many chips that we got back in these deals. It's way too early to really assess where any of these players are. But if anybody can assess talent, I, I think I I really value what Elias's opinion on this is. Uh, and I think that he obviously sees something in this kid outside of the numbers from 2018. Uh, and Made a move. Yeah,
1: Dave also brings up a good point with, with Elias and moves. He says, what's oh, Brady's God. job going to be? He needs to go. And we talked about this last week or the week before.
0: I can't remember. We last talked week. about it. He needs to stick to nutrition uh, or making calendars for the team. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He... he he. Yeah. If that's not his role, nutritionist or making calendars, I don't want him in the front office. I think he's toxic. No. I think... I don't know if if just... The way Angelo's Peter kind of allowed Brady to just be that, I don't want to say utility (laughs) knife, but that, 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 yeah, like that piece that just kind of floats around the organization and has his hands into too many things, but he's not involved in any one thing too, you know what I mean? Too heavily. He's just involved in everything. I don't like that. Like, you can't have that in an organization. Then you got people wondering who's calling shots, who's stepping on my toes, who's this Brady guy? Why is he? You know, why is he stepping in on a situation that he shouldn't be stepping in on? I don't like Brady in, in the in the roles that he's in, which is an undefined role. Right. You either need to define his role and keep him in that role, or just get rid of him altogether.
1: Absolutely. No, I mean, hundred percent, hundred percent. It needs to. It needs to figure out. So. Well, I think we we wrap up the Orioles there. Uh, yeah. as we come towards the end of the show, uh, long, one thing, show. Yeah, long show, long <laughs> show. Thanks again for Matt. Yeah, appreciate all us. you
0: guys tuning in, staying with us through this whole thing. Uh,
1: quick fantasy football recap. We've got our as everybody can. Well, everybody can't see. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it over here so everybody can see it. If I can grab it here, this is what has been coveted <laughs> all season long. Uh, this is the Birdland BS fantasy football belt. Uh, brought to you by undisputed belts nice little plug this is a nice belt by yeah, the yeah they did was, their thing on
0: that thing if you guys are looking for a fantasy football championship belt that for the price that they put that thing together it's
1: it's high quality it's absolutely stuff. so a- as as we've gone through this season we've you know we've hit on some uh we are into the last week before playoffs week 13 here uh just to run through we have christy is at eight and four ryan seven and five so the 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 husband wife duo team here running away with this. Uh, you were in third place, tied seven and five, but you have a lower uh, points allowed. Uh, then we have Jessica, seven and five. Uh, I believe that's Jean, seven and five. Uh, Bum Squad, I forget who's Bum Squad is PJ. PJ. He's six and six. He's been a quiet assassin, man. Yeah, man. He always is. He's six and six. Uh, why the Rum's Gone, Brian, six and six. Uh, team Berserk is I'm trying to remember Troy. Troy. So Troy is five and seven. I'm five and seven. Uh Joe Reinhart five and seven. James is now five and seven, and that's my, pretty
0: impressive considering <laughs> how, he how he started, started. Yeah.
1: and and my boy Josie, uh has been uh stinking it up at four and eight <laughs> <here>. <laughs> his
0: uh his
1: shot at the playoffs is pretty much out, but <laughs> all of us that are five and seven uh do have a shot if p j and Brian lose this week uh it could be it could be i could i could have my chance at this you know. you or Ryan needs to bring this home. I'm just saying.
0: It's going to stay here. I plan on winning this whole thing. I'm just biding my time. The team's going to be there. We'll be there in the end of things. Uh, but for, uh, for our Baltimore league, which our guest today, Matt Stevens, he was on the show. Uh, he's also in that league. Again, it's a bunch of different podcasters from around the way, bloggers and insiders with the Ravens. Uh, it's a bunch of really fun guys. This week, we actually played against Kyle Andrews of 105.7, and it was a barn burner. Honestly, when, when, when we start going through the day, we got through the four o'clock games, like, oh man, I, we are not pulling this one out. But we did, and we pulled this one out late by the skin of our teeth. We actually won this game 98-95 to 95 over Kyle,
1: so I'm sure – He's a little hurt. I got one closer than that this week, yeah, by the
0: way. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. I mean, as close I, as close could be.
1: I faced Jess and lost. I had 104.38. She had 104.28. Yeah. By 0.1. One-tenth hair, of the a point. The hair
0: on my chinny-chin-chin. Yeah. Good chin, thing we turned on those tenths of points or you would have had a tie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but in the Baltimore League, so they... Right now in first place, surprise, surprise, the fan, fantasy guru himself, Ken Zalas, is leading the league, but he's tied with Adam Bonacarci at nine and three. Uh, we're sitting there in second place, right behind them at eight and four, tied with Matt Stevens, who's also eight and four. Uh, Cole Jackson of uh, Russell Street Report, seven and five. Joe Serpico, that name sounds familiar Serpico Pizza, and also uh, the host of his own podcast, uh, at six and six. Brandon Portney 5 and 7, Kyle Andrews 5 and 7, uh John Darcy 5 and 7, Chibs, the crap talker that Chibs is <laughs> f- 4 and 8, Logan 3 and 9 <laughs> I expected better Out of you Logan Three and nine Ouch
1: Yeah man <laughs> And then
0: uh, our, our friend up in Canada Mitch uh, Rounds out at three and nine As well Mitch so. has
1: been quiet In the talk by the way I think yeah. he's
0: <laughs> Yeah I think he's got Some, some yeah, he's personal got, things He's going got on stuff there.
1: going on But
0: But yeah I mean It's a lot of fun In that league So we'll uh, We'll continue Like I said at, at the end of the day All we gotta do Is get there That's Yeah All we gotta do Is get in the thing And,
1: and we got a shot We'll get there you Get us there We'll finish it That's all that matters <laughs> All right, man. Well, another great show. Woo! Episode 73 in the books. This was a long one. An hour it and was. like 40, 45 Almost minutes. Almost two hours. Yeah, so we appreciate all of you guys that, that tuned in to this show. I know it was a long one, uh, but we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, make sure that check checks out www.birdlandbs.com you can see all the episodes there learn about fred myself ryan you can contact us uh check out that Birdland BS gear page i'm wearing it as always got it on my head got it on my, on my chest uh go check it out there's all all sorts of stuff there um Birdlandsports.com. You can also check us out on there. We're on there with a bunch of podcasters and writers. Um, there's enough content there for you every day of the week. It's for fans, by fans. Uh, follow us on all of our social media sites Twitter, it's at BirdlandBS. You can follow Fred at, at FredBLBS, me at, at ScottBLBS. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. All you got to do, search BirdlandBS. Make sure while you're there, like, follow, subscribe, share, set alerts, whatever you need to do to make sure you know when new content from us is going out. Uh, Make sure you also use the hashtag BLBSNation if you want to have your opinion heard on the show. We still have yet to have anybody do do that, so somebody needs to get out there and do it. Let's go. We want to hear it. Uh, Be sure to also check out our audio podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or any app of your choice. You name it, we are out there. Make sure you check it out. As always, we want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll be back next Tuesday night at 8.45. That's for you, James. 8.45. For Birdland B.S., I'm Scott. I'm Fred. See you guys. See you.